Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 7 of Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to be reading verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. And they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we looked at this verse also in our last study. We saw that God is relating giants to the sin of mixing marriage or intermarriage between believers and unbelievers. And the giants that were in the earth historically had to do with men who were a foot and a half or two feet taller than average. But spiritually, it relates to uh, children that are born between the sons of God and daughters of men. At least that's how it reads. God speaks of giants in the earth in those days and also after that. And then he says, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bear children to them. You see how the Lord is connecting the thought from the giants to the children that were born to the mixed marriage of those that were in the line of true believers. They weren't really true believers, but they were in the line of true believers. They professed to be true believers, uh, and those that were unsaved. But again, they could have been professed believers, yet never saved themselves. And uh, as a result, they bore children, and the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And it would appear that the giants are related to these mighty men, because a giant is a mighty man, and a giant is someone who uh, becomes renowned and famous, and and so there is uh, again some connection between giants and mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Um, we also looked at how God often brings judgment when His people disobey His command to marry in the Lord. And, and you know, God has commanded all of his people to marry others that are children of God and qualified to be married. And so for the people of the world, there's a commandment that they should not marry divorced individuals. A man should marry a woman. That That's the only permissible marriage that the Bible speaks of. There is, uh, you know, man's just um, pulled it out of his own imagination about men marrying men and women marrying women. It's not in the realm of something that the Bible even would consider to allow. And in the Bible, men marry women. 
And so in the world, a man can legitimately uh, marry a woman. And God would permit a man of the world to marry a woman of the world. Or a professed Christian who's not truly saved to marry another professed Christian who's not truly saved. The Bible permits this sort of union where each are equally yoked together. That is in accord with the Bible. And and so an unsaved male or an unsaved female may marry who they would who is also unsaved. There There are no other constraints placed upon them except that person they're marrying or thinking of marrying should not be divorced they and remarried they they should be a single individual or someone who's a widower or a widow and and thereby qualified now for the true believer we have those um uh, laws of god uh, also we of course uh, a man's only to marry a woman just like an unsaved man is only to marry an unsaved or uh, a woman and and also um we are not to marry someone who's not qualified that would be uh, a single man is not to marry uh, a woman who has been divorced and her husband still living and and so we uh, as children of god have those same guidelines that the people of the world have but additionally god tells us to marry and and not be unequally yoked. Let me read it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and in verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness and verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So God has given further instruction to the, the child of God that we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And again, that word is a pistis, without faith, no faith, without Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, God also speaks about marriage, and um, he, he gives various guidelines to help us. For instance, in verse 27, he says, Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife, which is interesting because most people do seek for a wife or, or a mate. And, and here God uh, is saying, don't seek for a wife. Then in verse 28, but and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. And then further down in the same chapter, verse 36. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age, and 
need so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and has so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. And and that goes along with be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We, the, the elect people of God, may marry other qualified people. And uh, as far as, again, a person who's never previously been married or whose previous spouse is not still living, because in God's eyes, it's not a previous spouse. It's still uh, a marriage. What God has joined together, man cannot put asunder. And so uh, people can go to earthly courts and uh, get divorced in the eyes of earthly government, but it doesn't work. When you go to the higher court, the Supreme Court, which is the court of God, and and the Bible is his law book, and, and if you sue for divorce, well, the higher Supreme Court of the law of God will deny your request. And, and no, you cannot divorce. And you might say, well, I'm already divorced. I, I've already gone to the lower earthly court and I've been granted a divorce and I'm living as a divorced person. It doesn't matter because the law of God is, and this is the unchangeable, unalterable law of God that man, no matter what title he possesses of judge or or uh, justice or or whatever he's called on the earth has no power to overturn the law of God. God has joined together. Man has no power, no ability, and and cannot uh, put asunder that which God has joined together. And and so the reality is that in God's sight the two are still one flesh, the two are still married. And and therefore the solution would be if possible, if the former spouse has not remarried and either one to return to one another because that is the actual situation that you are still man and wife in in the sight of God. So God's people follow those particular laws, but we have an additional law, an additional law that is uh, that, that God is very careful. It is an added protection, an added help and benefit as all the law of God is good and beneficial to the child of God. It, it is It is for the children of God. If we're able to live in accordance with the law of God, to the degree we're able to do that, our 
uh, our happiness, our, our level of peace and, and so forth and joy will increase. And, and so God has provided this protection for his children that if we are in a, in a single state at this time, it is really, um, extremely important to discover of someone that maybe we're thinking about marrying that, that they're qualified. They've never been married before or their previous spouse is deceased. And not only that, but are they in the Lord? Are they truly a child of God? And, and of course we live, uh, at a point in history that is unlike uh, any previous time in history uh, during the church age during the church age it was actually much more difficult for an elect child of god to determine is let's say this this girl this this woman I'm interested in a true child of god because they would both go to the same church and 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 listen to the same sermons and and sing the same hymns and and go to the same bible study and 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 yet that was a time when the wheat and the tares were growing together and and God had um put into place a commandment that the tares were not to be uprooted until the time of the end and 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 so true believers would have had a much more difficult time during the church age in trying to um, figure out or to understand or, or to get a feel for the spiritual condition of the one they were interested in. And, and so oftentimes, the sons of God would marry those that actually turned out to be daughters of men. They were professed Christians, but not really born again. And they, they had the name of Christ, but they had the same old heart of unbelief. And, and even, even though it was covered over with religious trappings or, uh, Christian terminology and, and so forth. And as a result, there would be trouble that would be in the home. Well, today, actually, God has helped the elect children of God that are living on the earth in this time after the Great Tribulation, in the Day of Judgment, and and things are not easy for us. It's a troublesome time. It's a, it's a severe time of testing. Yet, there is at least an area where we have been helped because God has ended the church age and he has separated the wheat from the tares. He has, um, uh, during the time of the Great Tribulation, set in motion the mechanism, which was his command to his people to come out and depart from the midst of the church and, and flee to the mountain run to the mountain, uh, which was a, a designation um, pointing to God himself and his word, the Bible, 
and, and God's people did come out. Now, of course, not everyone that came out were truly all elect or all God's people. Yet, it, it was certain that all that did not come out were separated as tares and bundled for the fire, the spiritual fire of Judgment Day. And, and that means that now for, uh, again, uh, let's say, uh, an elect man and he's outside the church. He's presently waiting on the Lord for the Lord to, uh, uh open up understanding, uh, to, to, uh, certain things and, and, and he's continuing to search the scriptures and wait on the Lord. And, and yet he has normal desires for marriage, for children and, and so forth. And yet he wants to be faithful and he meets someone at work or a neighbor or, or someone else, uh, a relative who thinks, well, he's a Christian and I know a Christian. And so they introduce uh, a nice Christian girl to him who also is a member of the Presbyterian church or the Lutheran or whatever church and very nice and uh, person and, and they get along. But however, the time we're living in, the time we're living in, God has made the separation as second Corinthians six said again in Verse 15, in what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel or an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Come out and be separate. And and yet now, you see, this can be another area of testing. Because, well, um, let's say the girl who belongs to the, uh, to the church... She's single, never before been married. So she's, number one, a female, which the Bible permits only, again, male and female marriage. She's never been married. He's never been married, qualified on that area also. And in the Lord, only in the Lord. She says she's a Christian, and he says she's a Christian, and and therefore they're equally yoked. No, they are not. No, they are not because of the time we're living in. If it were before the end of the church age, if it were a few decades ago, a hundred years ago, or any time over the course of 1955 years of the church age, then they, they would have been qualified to marry one another. But we cannot overlook the time we're living in. And, and, and so here is someone who firmly believes the church age is over, someone still attending church, and and God has left the churches bundled as tares. So there is no 
union. There, there is no agreement. And if two cannot walk together unless they be agreed, well, it's certain that two cannot enter into union of marriage unless they be agreed in the things of God, in the Bible. Just like, you know, just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean anything. You, you can find all kinds of other gospels where people say they're a Christian, but they believe in tongues or they believe in, um, the, the, the Pope has God given authority to supersede the things of the Bible or whatever they believe. Professed Christians can be even more of an unbeliever. Uh, Well, you can't be more of an unbeliever, can you? But but can be as much as an unbeliever as anybody out in the world or anyone a part of any other religion, except you may have even more trouble and more headache and and more disputes with someone who professes to be a believer. And, and then later on, when it comes to areas of doctrine, and, and remember, doctrine touches our lives. It affects the things we do. What we do on Sunday, every week there's a Sunday, every seven days, it'll come up. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to church. And I'm not going to church because the church age is over. Okay, now what about our son? And what about our daughter that God has given to us? Well, I don't want them to go to church. Well, I insist they go to church. They have to, they, they have to grow up in a church because the church, someone in the church believes, is where God works and saves. And you need the church to become saved. And, and they believe that strongly. And, and so there goes the children to church. And, and, and uh, yet the, the child of God, no, they, we, we want to raise the children according to the commandments of God and will of God. And yes, God has ended his salvation program, but that doesn't mean that we stop, um, doing everything we possibly can to raise our children in a faithful way as God would have them to be raised and, and all the while praying, may the cup pass from off my son or off my daughter. Dear Heavenly Father, may your cup pass. But again, it would be trouble. It would be all kinds of trouble at this time for someone within the church to marry with someone without the church. It would be unequal yoking of the two. Okay, let's go back to Genesis Genesis 6, 4, and the last part, and they bear children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Well, mighty men, um, it's 1368 in, in the Hebrew, and sometimes it, it's uh, used in reference to God himself, and it can be used in reference to the people of God. Remember, David had his mighty men. And and I think that's why that it's also taken on the understanding that those that identify 
uh, say, the Jews who were circumcised but never saved, circumcised in the flesh, never circumcised in the heart, or New Testament Christians who are baptized with water but never baptized with the Holy Spirit, that uh, they become like mighty men due to their relationship with God, with the Word of God, the Bible, and, and so God uses that figure. For instance, in Jeremiah 5, Jeremiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, it says, Wherefore, thus saith Jehovah God of hosts, because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. Lo, I will bring a nation upon you from far. O house of Israel, saith Jehovah, it is a mighty nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation whose language thou knowest not, neither understandest what they say. Their quiver is as an open sepulcher. They are all mighty men. Of course, the nation God's referring to is Babylon historically, that represents spiritually Satan and his forces, his emissaries that, that are, um, described in interesting detail in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. This is the the Babylonians and and what they it, it's what they represented they came as a mighty nation against Judah the the people of God it, it is the infiltration of satan's emissaries into the churches into the congregations that that's what happened over the course of the church age the tares were sown by an enemy satan amongst the wheat and then when the time was right, when God came to visit, when the church age came to its conclusion, it was all of the tares that had already been set in place. They were in positions of authority and power. They were popes and bishops and priests and ministers and elders and deacons that, that now once the Holy Spirit of God departs out of the midst, there's no longer any restraint upon them, and they begin to overrun, to make the churches and congregations of the world desolate for the abomination of desolation to stand in the holy place. And these are the mighty men. These are the men uh, that were utilized by the devil to bring spiritual destruction to every church in all the world. 
Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.